Welcome to Rise from the Scars. I'm your host, Vanessa Whiting. This is a space for transparent conversation about many different life experiences, relationships, and even trauma. A place to be able to tell your story or have your story told, to own your truth, and to rise above the pain. When we learn to embrace our experiences, tell our truth with transparency, then we triumph. Don't be afraid to tell your story and to own your truth. But when doing that, be strong and know that we're in this together. So let's rise. Now on to the episode. Welcome to episode 10, Shining a Light on Domestic Violence. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and in this podcast, I want to talk about some things that you may have heard before and some may be all new. Um, But before I do that, I want to take an opportunity to thank the listeners who have joined me from around the globe here in the U.S., but also in Germany, the U.K., New Zealand, Ireland, and Australia. Thank you for listening into the podcast. On this podcast, when we talk about domestic violence, there may be some questions that you may have, and I'm going to um, ask that you reach out to me on my social media platforms if you have questions or if you have some topics you want to talk about after this. You can reach me on Instagram at soulfulsolutions13, and you can also reach out to me uh, by private message on uh, Facebook at soulfulsolutionsllc and also on my website at soulful-solutions.com. So give me just a minute and we're going to go ahead and jump into the podcast. And like I said, if you have any questions, you can send me some private messages and I'll see if I can answer those questions or talk about that on a future podcast. And let's get into it. Let's start by asking the question, what is domestic violence? Do you know what that is? Well, domestic violence is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, or any other type of abusive behavior as a part of a systematic pattern of power and control that's perpetrated by one intimate partner against the other. It includes physical violence, sexual violence, and psychological violence, and also can include verbal and emotional abuse. The frequency and severity of domestic violence can vary dramatically, but however, the one constant component of domestic violence is that one partner's consistent efforts to maintain power and control over the other. Domestic violence is an epidemic that affects individuals in every community. Doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter your race, economic status, sexual orientation, your gender, race, religion, or nationality even. It is often accompanied by emotionally abusive and controlling behavior that is only a part of a system and a pattern of the dominance and control. Domestic violence can result in physical injury, psychological trauma, and in severe cases, even death. The devastating physical, emotional, and psychological consequences of this type of epidemic can cross generations and last a lifetime. It is not always easy to determine in the early stages of a relationship if a person is going to become abusive. This is something that intensifies over time. Abusers may not seem this way. They may come across even wonderful and perfect initially, 
but gradually it becomes more aggressive and controlling as the relationship continues. Abuse may begin with behaviors that may easily be dismissed or downplayed, such as name-calling, threats, being possessive, or distrusting. Abusers can also come across with this very apologetic um, action, trying to convince the person that they are abusing that these things won't get out of control. This is just a level of love and care that they have for them. But however, violence and control always intensifies with an abuser, despite the apologies. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. And during one year, that equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence and intimate partner contact sexual violence, intimate partner stalking, with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, PTSD, and the use of the victim in some form of services, and then contraction of sexually transmitted diseases. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. The presence of a gun in domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%. An intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crimes. In the, in the age of 18 to 24, women between those age ranges most commonly are abused by an intimate partner, and 19% of those um, domestic violence involve a weapon. Domestic victimization is correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicidal behavior, but only 34% of people who are injured by an intimate partner receive any type of medical treatment for their injuries. Some did you know facts. Did you know that almost 50% of domestic violence survivors who sought any type of mental support um, said that they were prevented or discouraged by their partners from getting that help or even taking medication that might have been needed? And along with suicidal attempts and depression, people who survive physical or sexual violence can also experience the PTSD that I talked about, anxiety, and sleeping disorders. Seven out of 10 psychologically abused women show symptoms of PTSD and or depression. Let's keep in mind that domestic violence is trauma and experiencing trauma is linked to substance use, engaging in risky behavior like self-injury or risky sexual encounters and mental health conditions. More than 50% of domestic violence survivors say that a partner threatened to tell authorities that they were mentally unstable to prevent them from getting something that they needed, such as custody or a protection order or even medication. 85% of survivors say that a partner has accused them of having some form of mental illness. This abusive tactic Targeting a partner's mental health is a part of a broader pattern of abuse and control. This, for example, prevents someone from accessing treatment or medication and also convincing them that no one would believe them or even coercing them into um, using substances and gaslighting. 
And the definition of gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse that causes a victim to question their own feelings, their instincts, their sanity, which gives the abusive partner a lot of power and control. And keep in mind that abusive relationships are based on power and control. Domestic violence may not always be easily recognized, but if you want to look for some of the warning signs of abuse, there are some ways that you can do that from a physical standpoint. So some of the physical signs of abuse might be bruises, black eyes, marks on the wrist or neck, and then wearing clothes inappropriate for the season. But emotionally, you can also pay attention to a person's personality changes, being withdrawn, isolated, a little more nervous, or even overly apologetic. And when it comes to controlling behavior, needing permission to do things, constantly updating their partner about their whereabouts, not being allowed to wear or do certain things, and not being allowed to spend time with certain people, whether it's family or friends. Knowing how to ask the right questions and to respond to a victim is is big as well. So you want to ask if you want to be helpful. How, How can I help you be safer? How can I support you? And what are some of your biggest fears? And what you want to tell the victim is, I am concerned for your safety. This is not your fault and that there's help and resources available. If you also want to know about some of those signs, you can find those in my book, The Matrix, A Look Inside Domestic Violence. Um, You can go to my website at soulful-solutions.com or the book is also available on Amazon. Youth and teens are not exempt from domestic violence, so let's look at what that impact has on them. Studies show that 1 in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this type of violence. Nationwide, youth ages 12 to 19 experience the highest rate of sexual assault and rape, and studies show that these teens are also impacted by violence, and the reports show that this physical violence are at the hands of an intimate partner. Girls in those cases are particularly more vulnerable to experiencing that violence in their relationship and more likely to suffer longer-term behavior and health consequences, including suicide attempts, eating disorder, and even drug abuse. Youth violence is an adverse childhood experience and is connected to other forms of violence, including child abuse and neglect, teen dating violence, adult intimate partner violence, sexual violence, and suicide. Different forms of violence have common risk and protective factors, and victims of one form of violence are more likely to experience other forms of violence. And in adolescence, in abusive relationships also carry these unhealthy patterns of violence into future relationships. Indeed, children who are victimized or witness violence frequently bring this experience with them. Ultimately, they can end up victims and perpetrators of adult intimate partner violence. If you know a teen or a parent of a teen that could benefit from speaking with some regarding teen-related issues, help is available at the National Dating Abuse Hotline, which is a project of the National Domestic Violence Hotline, at 1-866-331-9474. There are several myths regarding domestic violence, so let's talk about that a little bit. 
Some of the common myths um, about domestic violence is for the most part that it takes place behind closed doors, but it leaves us to having our own opinion about what that is. Creates this myth that not only empowers the violence, but also keeps us in the dark about just how serious it is. So here are some things that we need to think about when we're looking at domestic violence. One of those things is that it is only physical. And it's not just only physical. Um, certainly physical violence is damaging and can be extremely painful, but that is the only form. Emotional abuse can be just as devastating and with longer term um, effects. Words are very powerful and they should never be tossed around carelessly. When a victim only hears and receives negative reinforcement from a parent, a spouse, or a person that they trust, then they start to buy into those lies. And then later down the road, this can lead to depression, lack of social development, low self-esteem, avoidance of certain situations, or an unnatural and desperate desire to accept, be accepted by others. And then sexual abuse is equally as destructive and can have similar long-lasting effects. And should domestic violence stay behind closed doors? No. Extended family members and friends will often see evidence of domestic violence that's taking place in the home during a visit, and then they do nothing. They have this misconception that it's a private family matter and that it should stay behind closed doors. That's the problem. We want to keep it as a private thing, keep behind closed doors, and then no one gets help. Silence kills. We have to start speaking out about violence. So when a, when a situation happens and it's right in front of you, you should never turn a blind eye, especially if it's really serious, you see it's serious, it could lead to something more devastating down the road. And is domestic violence really that serious? Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. No matter what the degree of the violence is that's taking place behind closed doors, it should always be, let me reiterate, it should always be taken seriously. It's an illegal offense in the U.S. and is considered to be a serious crime that is punishable by law. Domestic violence, however tiny it is or it may seem, if left unchallenged, will worsen as it goes. So now, do victims usually provoke violence? doesn't matter if a family member or a spouse or anyone provokes or arouses someone, someone else to anger, violence is never acceptable. There is never an excuse or a situation where it is justifiable to hurt or verbally abuse another person. And does violence usually only happen when people have lower income status? Well, it's true that people that live in lower income communities or families that struggle with substance abuse are more likely to find themselves surrounded by some form of violence. That's because these tough situations can be extremely stressful. That's not to say that there aren't people that can survive these conditions without expressing violence within their homes. Domestic violence does not just happen in these situations, however. People from the middle class and upper class deal with violence as well. They just do a better job of covering it up in order to hide the embarrassment or ruining their public profiles. This is another reason why fewer victims from these classes ever come forward. 
it's believed that a person can't break the cycle of domestic violence. There is, in fact, a dark cycle that can take place based on how a child is treated while they were growing up or how they respond to certain situations when they're raising their own children. If a person was abused as a child, there's a greater chance that they will have violent tendencies towards their children as well. They might find themselves wrapped up in and living out of some same poor choices as their parents did. But this doesn't necessarily have to be everybody's story. There are hundreds and thousands of victims that came from violent situations that decided to break the cycle and give their children something that they didn't have. A person does not have to continue in the sins and shortcomings of their parents, and a parent can't necessarily be blamed for the behavior of a violent adult. So yes, the cycle can be broken if you choose to. This myth is a big one for me, that it's easy for a victim to escape an abusive relationship. Well, from an outside perspective, it might seem easy for, an, for a victim to leave their situation or get help, but fear is very crippling. And that fear cripples the victim in their mind, keeps their mind chained to the situation and immobilizing them from the attempt or even the thought of escape. They wrestle with the fear of the unknown, fear of not making it financially without their partner, or the fear of being discovered by the abuser that they've tried to, to leave. What people don't understand is that leaving or talking about leaving an abusive relationship is the most dangerous time for a victim. So they may have been threatened by the abuser at one point, have tried to escape, that they may have children involved and they don't want the children to be in extreme danger. So once a victim decides to leave the relationship, that situation can become very critical if the abuser sees them leaving or attempts leaving or even discovers their intentions. So I'm gonna be transparent for a moment. For me, as a victim, now a survivor, that was the most dangerous time for me. I had been going through abuse for several years and the night that I decided that I was going to leave my abuser was when I had a nine millimeter gun held to my temple and my daughter's voice lingering from the other room watching her mom with a gun to her head saying if you take my mom you have to take me was one of the most heart-wrenching moments so i will say to anybody that if you know someone who is in an abusive relationship or you think they might be in an abusive relationship, understand that it is not easy. There are a lot of factors, especially if you have children involved. And it's easy if you're on the outside looking in or you've never experienced that yourself. It's a misconception and it's a false presumption um, that you may never be able to understand. And it seems that everybody has an opinion when you've not gone through it. But I will say, whatever your misconceptions are, don't spread any of that. Don't turn a blind eye if you know or you feel that somebody is in need. If you know someone or you suspect someone might be going through a domestic violence situation, there is help. The National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE 
that's 1-800-799-7233, can be a helpful resource if you don't know what to say. But please do not be silent. Silent kills. Let's have the conversation. The conversation can save a life. If you want more details about domestic violence or situations, you can find those in my book, The Matrix, A Look Inside Domestic Violence. It is available on Amazon, or you can reach out 24 hours a day at the National Domestic Violence Hotline, again at 1-800-799-7233.